We'll start in three, two, one, bust them. We're live now. With you, <laughs> We're live. Take two with Eli Thank Crane, you. man. Uh, we, yeah, we, uh, we, we were just chatting with Eli. If you guys are just tuning in, we were chatting with, with him a little with some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, so um, all that will come out later later on when Eli's ready for it. But, um, hey, yeah, we got our brother Eli Crane on the 3 of 7 podcast with us today. Uh, yeah, again, this ain't an interview on Fox News. We're, 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 whatever you need to say on here, Eli, send it, brother. Our people like full send and they like good conversation. So, um, hey, yeah, I want to, again, start with that question. Eli, again, former Navy SEAL, he's now running for Congress in the state of Arizona. We're going to talk through what that process looks like, essentially initiating that process when when you, Eli, decided you wanted to step into that arena. But I want to first kind of start. Um, well, I really want to start with what Bud's class were you, man? So I started in Bud's class 242, and I failed out of Bud's class 242. I, I made it through Hell Week the first time, and then I got performance dropped a week and a half later, which I deserved, you know. And, uh, and then I went out to the fleet for two and a half years, Got an opportunity to come back, and then I came back and classed up with Buzz Class Two Five Six, which I made it through on that on that go round, and then went to SEAL Team Three from there. Sweet man, what? Why'd you decide to leave the Navy, Eli? I've never asked you that question. Yeah, uh, that's a good question, man. I uh, yeah, there were a couple different. There were a couple reasons. Um, one, I felt like I, in ways, in in. In, in most of the ways, I felt like I had done what I came to do. I wanted to serve. I wanted to become a SEAL. I really wanted to become a SEAL sniper, you know, um, got to do that. And then uh, I also had two little kids. And 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 my first daughter, um, you know, I pretty much watched her grow up a lot in pictures. And uh, until the time she was about probably three and a half. And so that was hard. Like I didn't, I didn't like that a lot. And so I wanted to be around for her. And then the other aspect of it was I, I hurt my back pretty good. Um, and I think in 2007 and I left in 2014 and it seemed like the in injury just kept getting worse and worse. And, um, it was one of those injuries where like, you know, I could get like a, a fusion on my back, but a lot of people were like, well, if you do that, it might actually, you might come out worse than what you started in. And so like I was just in constant pain. If I wore my body armor for even 20 minutes, dude, like my back was screaming. And so there were a couple, uh, you know, several things that led to me getting out, but those would be the top probably three. Have you got that back injury straight? You know, I, I haven't got it. I haven't, I still deal with it every day, but, um, I've learned that if I keep it really well stretched out and I, you know, keep, you know, and I keep my workouts to a certain uh, parameter um, and I, you know, keeping it stretched out is the key, man. But it tightens, if my hamstrings tighten up, you know, it's, I've got like a, they call it like a pars defect. And so it, I've got some stress fractures in my spine mm -hmm. and I've got some bulging and torn discs. And so and some degeneration. So all of it together just means that like, if I do any load bearing stuff for a long period of time, or even stand on my feet for a couple hours at a time, like I have to like lay on the ground, stretch out my back, stretch out my hammies. And 
it's kind of a pain in the butt, but you know, uh, there's a lot of, lot of folks with a lot worse, you know, situations than that. Well, man, you've learned to compensate for it, man. And that's, that's, that's what we talk about a lot of, dude, one of the main principles that we teach is the function check. Eli, you know what the function check is on your rifle before you get, get ready to step off on whatever it is, whatever mission you're going on. And that the purpose of that function check is to identify things that are a little out of whack, right? And and we don't identify those things so that we can complain about them or have an excuse right. to not do what we are able to do. We identify those things so we can compensate for them and then move forward with whatever our mission is, man. So freaking, I love it, dude. That's a perfect example of a function check and how to pick up a problem and not let it stop you, but but actually right. learn to compensate for it and continue to push for it because you're still a fit dude, Eli. Um I want to, uh, dude, I, I can't, I, in light of all that you're doing right now, I don't want to underscore what you have done with Bottle Breacher, man. Like, I, I, I just want you to, to just at least tell the listeners what Bottle Breacher is uh, and just give us a high-level view of that because one of the things that really I commend you for, Eli, is the fact that you are going to serve, you want to go and serve your nation now, again, in a different capacity, but not because you have to, because you've built a freaking awesome business, dude, from the ground up. It's, it's unbelievable. If you didn't do anything else, you've, you've done it, man. You have achieved the American dream. You've served your nation. You've built an awesome company. The way you treat your team, man, I see you guys on IG in the office, man. The way you guys work together and the way you treat your team is freaking awesome, dude. So I just want a high-level view of that for the listeners, man. No, I appreciate that, brother. Um, yeah, we try and keep it really lax and really cool around here and, uh, you know, love on one another, man. Cause, uh, you know, we would have definitely, we wouldn't have gone anywhere without the, uh, the people that work here now and the people that have worked here in the past. And that's something that's cool about coming out of the SEAL teams chat is that you learn real quick day one, week one of SEAL training that like, you're not going to do squat on your own. And, you know, it's kind of cool how they start teaching you that you have to have a swim buddy with you everywhere you go. You can't even go use a restroom without taking a swim buddy with you. And, if an instructor finds, you know, you six feet away from the guy that you're, your swim buddy, not only are you going to pay for it, but your, you know, whole boat crew and maybe your whole class is going to pay for it. And how that looks is like, they'll come up to me or Chad and be like, Oh, okay, Chad, Roger that, man. You don't think that you're, you don't think that you need anybody to, you know, swim buddy you to the surf or to the restroom. Is that because you're a Rambo Chad? You, you're going to, you're going to kick ass on the battlefield and, you don't need anybody. And and so they'll start beating everybody because Eli or Chad thought that they didn't need any, you know, any help and they were good on their own. And they start teaching you real quick that you're not going to do squat on, on your, by yourself on the battlefield. And once you actually get into war, you see real quick how insignificant you are by yourself. And so I noticed that in business day one, man. And the first person I recruited was my wife. And uh, that in itself, has been uh, one of the most challenging things I've ever done working with my wife, but uh, it's been a blessing too. And, and just bringing people um, that are smarter than me and more talented than me 
um, into this operation, you know, has been really cool. And uh, it's been a blessing, you know, something I never thought I'd do. I never had aspirations of, um, you know, owning a small business, but I caught the entrepreneurial bug as I was getting out and I just love the challenge of it. And I love the potential upside of it. And I love being able to be creative as well. So um, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't really, I didn't really get a chance to answer, but Bottle Breacher, is, it's uh, basically, you know, it's a, it's a small business. It's a made in the USA business where we take uh, military grade equipment and we turn it into a cool gift typically for a guy that you can personalize. So we have like grenades that open your beer and uh, 50 cal bottle openers that open your beer and then, you know, or your, or your Coke or whatever you drink. Or, you know, we also have one called the, um, the Moab, the mother of all breachers. It's a 30 millimeter and uh, it, you know, it does the same function. We have coasters, apparel, koozies, you know, whiskey bullets, you name it. We've got a lot of cool stuff and, that's what I wanted to build from the start was a brand so that we, you know, weren't just isolated to one product. We could keep, you know, creating and coming out with new products. Yeah. I love it, man. It's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing just creation, dude. I've got the 30 Mike Mike round, uh, for a long time. We were giving the, the 50 cal bottle breachers to our basic course graduates as a, as a graduation gift, uh, people right. loved it, man. These things, Eli can custom engrave these things. Uh, well, I guess Eli's team, I doubt Eli's doing a lot of engraving right now. Right. He's got a lot of other stuff right. going on, but <laughs> man, they can, they can make these things freaking awesome, man. And I love the way that you guys give back to the NSW community and the military community where uh, on anniversary uh, on any any big event or, or any any date that comes around that that is where we've had a significant loss of life within the community you guys are always doing something to memorialize that man or woman or that event or that day to give back and just man to to keep that brotherhood and to keep the memory of that alive it's so special dude when i see you guys putting those videos out i, I just commend you for for what you've been able to do blake and i were just talking about today um you know we're going we're, we're new in business you got you got some years on us and you know we're working through stuff it's just him and i really uh, as at the at the 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 leadership level and um we're working through this stuff and, and we're just like, Hey man, this is the reality of like, this is the reality of owning a business. It is the hardest. This is the funnest, but the hardest thing that I've ever done. Like seal training was right. easy compared to this. I really feel like it was, it was just like going through the motions of seal training is here. It's like, you got to think on your feet. You've got to find the right team members to bring on. You've got to put, you know, teach other people how to lead within the position that you've given them. I mean, so it's it's mentoring, it's leading, it's doing all this stuff at the same time. Uh, so I, I I I think I can understand on a uh, at least a little bit of what you put into building Bottle Breacher to the point it is. And I say that's one thing I commend you for. I just did a podcast with Andy Frasilla the other day, and I made the comment that you know I've got my friend Eli Crane. He's running now for Congress. And I said, what I, what I commend him for the most is because he already has an established business. He's, he's good. I assume you're good financially. Um, your, your family's taken care of. You don't have to freaking do this, man. 
You don't have to do right. this. This is a, literally right. an act of service. And Andy was saying, Andy was saying, well, you know, we need guys in positions in government that can't be bought. Eli is one of yep. these guys that, that can't be bought. He don't need to be bought. Right. He, he's built his own freaking business, man. He's doing this for a purpose. And what is that reason, man? Why did you decide why? No, and, and I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you mentioning us on the uh, show the other day, and you know, I that was cool listening to that podcast. You know, you could tell there. You, you could that was my first time listening to it, but I could tell there was a lot of truth on it, and there was you know just a lot of transparency, and that's the type of show that I like to listen to. And you know, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about something else that you said along those lines because I I happen to kind of agree with you um whatever you want to talk about talking, eli send it yeah no, you uh you mentioned hey man i don't know if that's the you know I, I don't know if that's the best way to fight i don't know if it's you know going into government and you know and i, I struggle with that sometimes myself too just because um you know as a believer i don't believe that the real answer is ever going to come from government and, um you know but i i realized that on a just like on any battlefront you know, there are, you know, there, there are so many fronts that this battle is being fought on. I think you and I are both kingdom minded. I think, I think we're both believers in Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I see that, I see that there's a, there's a lot of ba this battle going on in culture. There's a lot of this battle going on in politics. There's a lot of this battle going on spiritually and it's going on in, in academia and in entertainment everywhere. And so I think that, I think that, and this could be wrong. This is just my perspective, but I think God sometimes sends his foot soldiers into every single one of those verticals. And I feel as weird as it is, Chad, because a lot of people don't know this about me. And we might've had a conversation about this, um, maybe a year, year and a half ago, but I felt like God was calling me into ministry um, I think as early as like, uh, 2020, maybe even 2019, 20, probably 2020. And so I was kind of surprised when this whole political thing kicked off, dude. Um, because, uh, ha and how it happened was, um, I made a, I was asked to make a commercial for Martha McSally, Senator Martha McSally last year in Arizona. And, uh, I did it and it went, it went pretty well. And then the people that were working with Martha reached out to me, um, several months back and said, Hey, Eli, would you consider running for Congress? We think you'd be a good candidate. Um, we'd like to talk to you about it. And so that's how the, that was the genesis of this whole thing. And, uh, it's weird, Chad, because usually, man, when it comes to something big, usually my wife and I are like on complete polar opposites. Like I'm usually the, Hey, let's go big, you know, let's take a risk. And usually she keeps me grounded because she's kind of risk adverse and a lot, you know, a lot more secure in her, you know, the way she thinks. And, uh, and this was one of the first times where we both felt like God was telling us the same thing. Hey, this is where I want you guys. And so, um, so, so we started, we, we said, yes, we prayed about it. You know, it took like two weeks. We talked to a lot of our friends about it. We decided, hey, we're going to give this a go. And so I would have probably never given this to go, um, you know, if I didn't feel like I was already in a transitional period, already in a good place. You know, like you talked about a second ago, I can take a couple years off and be good. good. And it, when you're running for Congress, 
you have to raise a lot of money, but you're not getting paid. And so um, I, I feel like we were in a good spot, you know, where we could, you know, we didn't have to scrap and, you know, uh, you know, uh, we're not working paycheck to paycheck. And so we're, we were in a good spot to do something like this. We felt like God was calling us to do something like this. And this is something that I want, you know, people to understand, like I'm, I'm a lot less focused on the outcome as I am focused on my posture in the midst of this. And I think that's the best place to be in life, man, because, um, you know, I think too many, too often, and I know I've done it a lot. We get caught up in being focused on the outcome. And in this, in this environment, I may never become a congressman, but I'll tell you what, you know, I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to run it to the best of my ability and I'm not going to become something I hate in the process. I'm not going to become a politician that is a political windsock where I look one, you know, I get asked a question. I look left and I look right and I see which way the political winds are blowing and where public opinion is at. I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, And uh, if people don't like that, that's okay. If people don't want to send me to Washington, I'm okay with that because what I don't want, Chad, is I don't want to look my little girls in the face when they're 20, 25, 30 and not be able to say, hey, dad did everything he could to make sure that you guys, you know, grew up with the freedoms and prosperity that we did. Because to me, that's unsat. It's unsat that we, in my opinion, the silent majority, because we've been complacent and we've been so comfortable and we've been so prosperous that we just, we don't even, we don't even pay attention. We're so busy on our phones and what's on Netflix. And like, we don't even pay attention to, you know, what's going on and, and, and the people that we send to be our, you know, representatives and what they're doing. And, you know, I understand that most of us don't, we don't like to spend our time thinking about that or really focused on it because we we're living our lives. But at the same time, we've been able to do that because we live in the greatest country of all time. And and that didn't just happen accidentally. There was a certain ingredient. There was a certain recipe. And if you start messing with the recipe enough, sooner or later, we can no longer say what we want to say, right? We can no longer worship how we want to worship. You know, you're, you're going to see more and more of our freedoms being taken away because, you know, um, evil always triumphs when good men do nothing. And I refuse to just sit back and, and, and not do anything. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of the genesis of that. And that's of this whole thing. And that's where I'm at with it, man. Dude, you have, I don't know if you understand how much in alignment you are with exactly what we teach the men and women that God send us, man. And it's what we call that, that you're just talking about, is we call that living life to a standard and not a result. And that's what you right. talked about. What matters is we don't care what you do. We don't, we don't care what the result is. We care about seeing who you are going to be right along yeah. the journey. Who, who are you while you're while you're trying to achieve this thing, who are you? What do you represent? Uh, and, and that that's it, man. Let the result fall where they may, right? 
If you're living to a standard throughout this process, you're living to your standard, to God's standard, you have the same standard as me. That's what we're talking about. In the SEAL teams, in life, we we have we have a creed, right? As Christians, we have a creed. It's it's the Holy Bible. It's the standard that God set for us as, as human beings to live our life by, right? If you can adhere to that standard, the result means nothing. And, and most of the time, if you will adhere to the standard, that is your most likely uh, path to achieving the result in the first place, right? And, and so I love it, man. It's just completely in alignment with uh with what we try to share and and teach people this is a perfect example guys what eli just told you guys i know i give an example of my racing sometimes this is a, another perfect example of what that looks like when you hear us trying to teach that concept um and you know eli it, it's uh it's it's really you were talking about you were being called into ministry and now it's it's kind of the direction has has it seemingly changed, but you know, I think that this is all what you're doing and who you are while you're doing it. This is your ministry, man. Like it's, it's a, I think it's just going to play right into it. Um, let's see. I want to ask you, man, and I appreciate you sharing all that with us. That was really, really solid, dude. I want to ask you once you decided to to again enter this arena and go this route and try try at least your best to achieve this result uh what did that process look like dude like what what does it look like now on from the beginning and now on on a day-to-day basis have have you kind of fell into a groove with this are you was it really hard to grasp and comprehend at first how did you get the ball rolling and the reason i'm asking this is one selfishly because uh i have actually considered um, considered right. playing in government at some point or another. So one, selfishly, but two, I think it's great for the listeners to to hear what this process looks like, and uh, and to maybe maybe even say, oh man, this is something that I can at least get involved in potentially even on a local government level. It's it's not something that's out of reach. I mean, me and Eli, we're we're everyday dudes, man. We're, we're entrepreneurs. Yep. We're just like you, man. There's nothing really special about us. So can you hit us except, with that, man? Except, except for that beard, bro. That beard <laughs> is more than special, dude. My, my beard is all envious over here. It's like, that's what it wants to be when it grows up. But um, no, I can tell you a little bit about my our process. Clearly, I'm not an expert on this. I started this like four months ago. Um, and... Uh, it really, uh, ours has been unique because, um, some folks that do this on a daily basis, um, ask us, Hey, are you interested in this? We, you know, and if so, we, we'd like to work with you. And so they've been able to really guide me and direct me. Um, in so much, I didn't have to, though I'm learning a lot. Like I didn't have to go build a campaign from scratch. Like they have been like, Hey, we need to do this. We need to hire this person, you know, Eli, you need the campaign manager. We're going to send you, you know, a couple to interview and we want to know who you like the best and why and, and all, you know, stuff like that. So for me, it's been, uh, probably, you know, I'm sure a lot of people experience, uh, you know, campaigns like this where you hire like a general consultant and then they help you 
but then some people do it from a grassroots level where they just figure out everything, figure out how to do everything. And then, you know, have to kind of like building a, a business completely organically, as opposed to teaming up with people that have already, you know, run successful companies and then bringing you in as a key part of it. And, and I think that if we're talking to entrepreneurs, that would probably be a good way to compare it. Like, Hey, you know, somebody came and grabbed me and said, Hey, we want you to be a part of this team um, so that we can get over the finish line and uh, make an impact on Capitol Hill. And so, you know, it's just been hiring, you know, the team. I don't feel like I'm completely in the groove yet because there's still a lot. I'm still a lot. I'm learning. I, I, I would imagine within the next couple months, um, I'll have a pretty, pretty good idea of, you know, where, you know, getting into a group because I still have little kids. They're not that little, but they're 14 and 10 years old. So we still have that, you know, as, as parents and, uh, and we also are still, you know, running bottle breacher. And so, you know, there's just a lot of things in the air right now. And, uh, you know, it's definitely chaotic, but I feel like we're doing what, what we're, what we've been called to do. And, uh, um, and, I, and I'm hoping that it straightens out a little bit over the next, you know, couple of months so we can kind of get into a group. But I would say it's going pretty well, all things considered. We have a lot of early momentum and we have, we're starting to see a lot of people uh, rally around us, um, you know, to support us. And so that's always a good feeling. Like I said, even though, even though I try not to focus on the outcome, it's, you don't do something like this to lose. Yep. You know, I, I'm not doing this because I don't want to go, you know, even though I don't want to live in Washington and even though I don't want to deal with corruption and just backbiting and snakes all damn day, I will say that I, I want to do this. I want to get an opportunity to do this because I want to cast my vote for the American people. I want to be in that room because, Chad, you and I both know, man, from combat that fear is contagious. Yep. But something else that's contagious is courage, right? And so if you're able to be in that room when those decisions are being made and I'm, and you're able to be like, hey, Eli, you told your constituents something else and now you're going behind their back. What's up, brother? You're better than that, man. Like, this isn't what we're supposed to be about. Sometimes a conversation just like that between two bros, two guys that respect each other is enough to get somebody nudge them back on the right course to do the right thing and Maybe I can affect change. Maybe I can't. But like I said, if if you're not willing, if you're not willing to fight for it, you don't deserve it. And and, and that's what that's what we're doing now. What are some of the things that you're most passionate about uh, as far as the impact that you can make? Um, being a congressman, like what, what, what are, what, what's some of your biggest passions, man? That That's really, as far as changes, impact, things that you can do with this. Uh, I mean, I, I know there's probably a lot, but what, what do you say some of your top things that drive you are, man? Yeah, I, I would say, um, like from a policy standpoint, um, election integrity is number one for me. Um, I just, I, I believe that our elections have been intentionally softened up to create the opportunity for fraud. Uh, when I talk to people at all levels from law enforcement to even politicians, most of them will admit to you that there's fraud in every election, but that the typical answer that you get follow up answer is, but it's not enough to change the results. And 
my point is, why are we, why do we have a system that even allows really any fraud to begin with? And when you actually go, not, not just like, you know, watch the news for like two minutes a night, you know, or tune in on election night, but when you actually study and every, every state, many counties, many cities, jurisdictions are different in, in, in how they vote. But when you actually study, you know, what, what went on in 2020 and more importantly, what, you know, what's going on in our elections. Um, if you actually start digging into it, it gets kind of concerning, uh, for many different reasons. And, um, at the end of the day, I don't, I would rather my, my candidate loses, but I feel confident that it was a fair and transparent election did my guy win, but I know that it was crooked and it was shady. And that is not what I want. That's not what we're supposed to have in this mm -hmm. country. And we have all sorts of laws that were changed before the election that were not done constitutionally. And none of those even got to, you know, none of those cases got to go to the Supreme court. And I have a bunch of different opinions on why they did why they didn't make it there. The bottom line is this. You have Republicans and Democrats and plenty of folks in the media right now telling you out of one side of their mouth that these are the freest, most transparent, truthful, honest elections we've ever had. And yet out, out of the same side of their mouth, if you say, okay, all right, prove it to me. I want to I see the receipts. I want to see a full forensic audit done. If, if they're so true and honest and fair and transparent, then you wouldn't have any problem showing me the results, right? Out of the, same, out of the other side of their mouth, those same people that just got done telling you how fair and transparent these elections are, they'll tell you, well, no, no, no. You're, you're only, you only want a, uh, an audit because you're a kook or a conspiracy theorist. Now, it doesn't work both ways. You can't have it both ways. They're either fair and you're, you know, if that's how innocent people act, Chad, if, if I just did something and I know it's on the up and up and it's fair and you have a problem with it, I have no problem being like, you know what, Chad, I actually want to show you the evidence, man, because I want to move forward with integrity with you. And I want you to know that, you know, my word matters, bro. And that is not what's going, that's not what's going on in this country. And so we need to get these elections under control. Um, that's, that's number one for me. Number two is because I live in a, a border state, we have to secure our Southern border. And I mean, there's so many reasons for that. And especially now that we've, we've pulled out of Afghanistan and, um, in, in, in essence, what we've done is we've, we've gone from taking the fight to the enemy and now we're in a defensive posture and we have no, we have no perimeter. We have no security. We have no southern border. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have eventually left Afghanistan. I think the way that we did it was atrocious. I think it was a train wreck. I'm not surprised. It seems par for the course. However, um, not having a southern border is largely problematic. And if, you know, for instance, I just talked to a buddy of mine who's a border patrol agent down here in Arizona. He told me, hey, Eli, last week we, I, I rounded up a group. And this is normal for them. Like it was a, a group of 120 guys all coming in from South America. And he said, out of these 120 guys, 80 of them, um, 80 of them said that they were 17 years old, um, you know, under 18. And it, you didn't have like, you didn't have like 20 that were, tw you know, 20 that were 14. And then 
and then 15 that said that they were 16 years old, all 80 of them said that they were 17 years old. And he could, they could tell that they weren't that age. Yeah. But these guys didn't have papers. They didn't have visas. They didn't have passports. They had no identification on them. And because our rules are so screwed up, the border patrol agents had to let these guys go. And so, you know, it's like, um, that's, if a lot of, a lot of these guys coming in are, you know, and I don't, I don't want to say a lot of them, but there's enough coming in that have severe criminal backgrounds in, you know, in their country of origin, but because they don't have a record in the United States, they don't pop up on any database and they just get released right into that community or that neighborhood. And then the American people end up having to deal with, you know, uh, the repercussions of it. So that's another one that I want to deal with. And then honestly, I just want to be a complete thorn in the side of the radical left. I want to push back and oppose everything on their agenda. And it's just, you know, it's just another type of warfare. But um, like I said, I know what their, I know what their goal is. Their goal is to, you know, destroy this country from within and they're doing a hell of a job at it. And I think if we had more men and women that were strong and courageous and had character, um, you know, we could push back. And, and I like what you said on Andy's podcast, because I, I really agree with you on this point. You talked about buying time. I am in 100% agreement with you on that because I've read the end of the book. I know what it says. I know that, I know that you know, we, I, I know that we, we don't create this utopia that, that a lot of people think that we're going to create on Earth. Um, and that's because we're broken and fallen and sinful people, um, you know, and so, but I want to buy as much time as I can for the next generation. And I feel obligated to do that. Amen, brother. And I think that's, you know, we talk about what has led us to this place right now. Look, man, it amazes me that, that the body of Christ has not united yet. Like we are so freaking powerful at like the body of Christ across our nation. If if we would unite, you want to talk about some some significant impact on society, uh, on culture. Um, there there's nobody, but there there's there's nobody leading that charge, man. Like there there is no there there's not. The, the Billy Graham, there, there, there hasn't been a Billy Graham in, in decades, man. Like, who's leading that charge to unite the body of Christ? And and here's one thing I think that's led us to this point that we are now. I think that a lot of Christians out there that, that I speak to, Christians in my own inner circle, become apathetic. They think, well, like Eli just said, we've read the end of the book. We know what the ultimate outcome is. So why should why why should we even try? Why should we even try to unite and make and make an impact? Um, ultimately, we win, and ultimately, there is no hope for the human race. Well, look, Christian, just because you know the end of the story and you know that we ultimately end that that, that we ultimately win, that is not an excuse for you to become apathetic and not try to make this world, this nation, your community, our society. Uh, morally, ethically, um, politically, and on all fronts, more sound and, and a better place to be for future generations. You don't get an excuse to be freaking lazy, Christian, just because you know what's coming. You don't get an excuse to be lazy. All right? And that's part, that's part of what, dude, that's why, I, that I, dude, I swear, 
We're going to we're going to pack out some arenas, man. We are going to unite the body of Christ throughout this nation. And there's enough of us, man. There's enough of us and there's enough people that are ready to receive Jesus as their king, their Lord, Lord and Savior. And there's enough people that are ready to pick up their cross and to follow him. They just need someone to stand up and tell them how to do that, right? And to set them on the course. Well, I believe that if we could pack these arenas out, we could quadruple the size of the body of Christ within a year. I, I, I we could, we could just, oh man, I get so fired up thinking about it, dude. Um, well, you look at, when we was Sorry, coming, I'm going on a rant right now. When we was coming back from Utah, you look, we were sitting behind these two Mormon kids that just turned 18. And apparently when you turn 18 and you're Mormon, you have a two-year service to your Mormon community, and you have to go out. They were going to Africa. I overheard their conversation. They're going to somewhere in Africa to spread their message of the Mormon religion. Yeah. And how many Jehovah's Witness do we have knocking on our doors when we I'm not saying their methods are right, but I'm saying they're serious about going and spreading what they believe in. And there's somebody leading that charge and saying, Hey, when you turn eighteen, you're going to do this if you want to be a Mormon. And I'm not again, yeah. I'm not saying that their methods are right, but they're serious about what they believe in, and there's too many Christians that aren't serious about what they believe in and they only want to receive what they can get from it. And as soon as they feel like, oh, I've gotten what I need, I'm I'm saved, uh, when I die, I'm not going to hell, I'm doing pretty well in life, uh, me and my family are good, so we're just going to roll on like it is, and it's selfish is what it is. That's 80% of people in the church building. Yeah. That's 80% of people in the church building, Yeah, and we don't understand what, what impact we are capable of as sons and daughters right. of Christ, but we've got to... We've got to come together, man. Uh, we've got to freaking clear out all these denominations and all this hu human bull crap that we've added into our relationship with Jesus. Dude, I, we've got Eli. We don't have Eli for much longer, 15 more minutes. So I've I got to ask you, man, uh, why have you chosen Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your King? And why have you decided to pick up your cross and follow him, man? Yeah, no, I, I mean... There's a lot there, but um, I was raised. I was raised as a Christian, and then uh, as I got older, um, I start. You know, my my family kind of blew up, um, and my 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 parents got divorced, and I kind of you know started you know going my own way and becoming a little rebellious. And uh, what I realized is is that um, you know what I what I had been taught as a kid when I actually uh, looked at it through the lens of my own life, um, as I, I noticed as I moved further away from God and I started chasing things of this world, you know, it all, I, it always led to the same place. You know, it always led to, um, um, sorrow and pain. Um, and you know, it's like, I think CS Lewis said that you can either, you know, it's one of, it's one of three things. Jesus Christ is either, he's a madman, he's a complete liar, or he is who he said he was. Cause if you actually read what people wrote that were, you know, um, you know, writing down everything that he said, he actually said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one will get to the father except through me. And so I had, I think that, I think that the most important question any of us will ever 
um, answer in our life is, you know, who is Jesus to you? And, uh, you know, I've, I've decided to follow Christ. And it's interesting because I'm running for a position where, um, you know, we have a constitution in this country and, you know, the First Amendment guarantees freedom of speech, guarantees, you know, freedom of assembly and, and religion. So if you don't see things the way I do, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I would never try and force my religion on anybody, but I'm not going to cower and not talk about it because, in my opinion, it's the most important thing in my life. And I want, if I'm, if we're right about Christ and Christianity, if, you know, if, if he is the way, the truth and the life, if what he said is true, if I don't share that with somebody, am I a brother? Do I really care about you? If, 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 because if, if he is telling the truth that he is the only way, it's not the Oprah Winfrey, you know, all roads lead to, you know, all roads lead to heaven type deal. If, if Jesus, you know, was accurate with what he said and that he is the way, the truth and the life. And I don't tell you about it because I'm scared because you might cancel me. Um, then I'm, then I really, I'm really more concerned with, I'm really concerned with fear and what's going to happen to me than I am, uh, just being strong and courageous and, and, being more concerned about you and where you wind up. And so, um, you know, as I started to go through the, as I started to go through the scriptures and study and learn about, you know, how much history actually proves the gospel and the fact that, you know, there were, um, you know, when you read the word of God, um, it's written by eyewitnesses, you know, that, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big deal to me that it was written by eyewitnesses who this is important. This is an important one to people listening. There was no, you know, there, there was, you could argue there was an opposite of a benefit to actually proclaiming and writing the things that those guys wrote down and said about Jesus, because almost without exception, I think except for John, all of them got murdered. Yep. All of them got killed for their faith. And so let me tell you something, man, if, if you're, if, 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 if you're willing to die for something because you know it's truth and there's nothing that anybody can do to, um, you know, sway you from that. And then you write, write down that truth and multiple people do it. I'm going to take a hard look at that. I'm going to read it and I'm going to decide for myself. That's pretty convincing to me that the the guys that followed him, you know, Oftentimes, we all know if you're telling a lie or if you know something's not true, you're not going to die over it. Those guys were willing to die over, you know, their faith and what they saw and what they witnessed. And, and horrific deaths, to, tortured, horrific, right? And so, you know, that was a big that was a big part as I started to study, um, you know, whether or not I believe in in this Christianity in this Bible. That was a big that was a big piece of evidence for me right there. I love it, man. And I think that is a part, uh, you know, a part that, that we should all be versed in. That's called Christian apologetics, essentially. And apologetics originates from a Greek word, I think, apologia, which means to make a case for, like a court case, right? There is so much logical evidence that Jesus is who he says he is out there that it is extremely convincing now obviously there's always there's going to be a certain aspect of faith 
that we have to have. There is a certain aspect of faith always. Now, the, the apostles that Eli was just talking about, that aspect of faith, what they, they didn't need that, right? Because they, they saw him crucified. They saw him put in the tomb, and then they ate with him a few days later. Like, they didn't need that, right? That's why they were able and willing to change the construct of the world. Uh, that's why they were so driven, okay? But I'm like you, Eli. I am totally convinced both logically and experientially in my own life, my, the, the parts of my testimony, the experiences that I've had in my personal relationship and walk with Christ since I decided to follow him, I am wholly convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. And you know the beautiful thing about everything that's happening right now is I, I, I've always missed this part of the gospel, Eli, I've always missed this part of the gospel, and I haven't taught it and shared it with other people, but one of the most essential parts, I think, of really seeing the need for Christ, identifying the need, why do we even need Jesus? The only way we get to the point that we realize we actually need him is we first have to realize that we are absolutely hopeless. And that's the beautiful thing about what's going on in the world today is I think so many people are looking around and saying, holy crap, we are hopeless. The fact that the, the human race has not become extinct by this point, all we do is kill each other, fuss, argue, and destroy our environment. The fact that we, we haven't become extinct is a testament to our creator, in my mind, and his plan for humanity. Because the way we act, we should, we should have all been extinct by now. But people are realizing, man, this is hopeless. We can't freaking do this on our own. And that's why people are so primed to receive Christ right now. They're just primed for it, man. So I love your... T and, and one day, I'll, uh, obviously, we'll have you on the show live, and I want to hear your full testimony and uh, experientially of, of what you've been through um, in your life after you decided to follow Christ, and we don't have time for it today, but... Um, I want to, uh, Eli, I want to give you the opportunity, man, to put out to the listeners where they can find you, follow you, and support your campaign, brother. Yeah, thank you, Shad. I appreciate it, dude. So, um, you guys, can, if you guys want to follow our campaign and, uh, you know, help us out, um, you, you can go to EliForArizona.com. Um, you know, most people that know me know that I'm not big on asking for help, but th this is one of those arenas where you are not doing it by yourself. And unfortunately, um, in the greatest superpower on earth, you do not get a congressional seat without raising resources. It just doesn't happen. It, that, that turf is too um, hotly contested. And so it's something that we have to do. Um, and it's just kind of a necessary evil to this whole thing. But yeah, we're asking for three things. Basically, we're asking for prayer. Um, and we're asking for donations and we're also asking for help, um, spreading the word about our campaign. And so if you guys want to follow me on social media, you can go to, uh, Eli, Eli Crane underscore CEO. You can uh, follow us there. And, uh, you know, Chad, dude, thank you so much for the opportunity. I've wanted to do your show for a long time. I've actually wanted to get out there and, uh, you know, drive the, the, the band behind you while you run. I'm probably not running with you, but. I'll ride the bike. Uh, I told you that. So that offer stands, dude. So if you ever need a, if you ever need a driver, dude, Rod, I'll run with you like 
little intermittently, you know, I'll get out and run with you, but I'm not doing your crazy hundred mile, you know, stuff. So. I don't blame you, brother. I don't blame you. I, uh, you know, you got to be a little bit stupid to do what I do. I think Eli, you're much more intelligent than me. That's why you're, you're doing what you're doing, brother. And, uh, Dude, I just, yeah, I mean, I really do, Eli, appreciate who you are as a man. I appreciate your service to the nation and, and now you going on and making this sacrifice uh, to put yourself in a position to serve our nation for a second time. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be uh, supporting you uh, all the way through, man. And uh, you guys listen to this show, again, Eli is one of these men that we talked about, like we said on, on that on that show with Andy. This is one of these men that we can put in position in order to stand up, to hold the standard, to maintain the standard. Uh, he's one of these men that's not going to be wavered by culture and opinion and, 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 uh, and society, right? He's going to stand for what we need here in this nation today, and man, it really gives me so much strength, dude. It gives me so much hope knowing that you are who you are, and you're going to do what you do, man, what you're doing right now. It gives me hope, man, so so it's just, it's so, it's, it's you know this, man, this is bigger than you, and, um, and, uh, much bigger, we're gonna. I appreciate it. We're we're looking into renting this uh this uh, this uh this stadium down the road down here. It'll hold five thousand, man. So uh, I think we can get five thousand together, and uh, hopefully we can have you out to speak and put out some good word. I got Blake on that right now, along with about a hundred other tasks. So, but we are looking into it, man. You got anything, Blake? Before we let Eli go? No, just thanks for thanks for taking the time out, man, and and everything you're doing. Chad hit it well, so Blake. I'm not gonna take too much more. Blake, I mean, the only only feedback is that I have is if you could talk less next time, that'd be fantastic. Hey, man. No, hey, Eli, Eli, dude, I've been so excited about this interview. I've been thinking for the last two days all the things that I wanted to ask you, and I knew we only had an hour. I was like, well, I look, I'm taking over this show. That's what I was going to say. If you hadn't listened to our show much, you'll or if you have, then you know. There's not much opportunity. I just eventually he's gonna say what I think anyways. So I just if it never comes up, then I throw it in there. <laughs> right. hey, it was a pleasure, uh, pleasure doing the show, Blake. It was a pleasure meeting you. Hopefully, I get to get out there and uh, hopefully I get to join you boys in your stadium. Now. We yeah, love man. you, brother. We got a you got an open invitation out here. Um, we'll talk soon, Eli. Stay in touch, man. Uh, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. I'll attach Eli's website and his Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode. Shoot him a message, man. Go follow him. Support his campaign. And uh, we love you guys. Enough said.